It's uh, Valentine's uh, Day, which we had and is, has come and gone, and, and we're talking about love. And, and I, I just, I, I have a difficult time um, when the world always projects one aspect of love, right? That romantic love. In fact, uh, for those of you who are familiar, they've made, there's a whole entire channel devoted, and it's called the Hallmark Channel, <clears throat> devoted to this aspect of romantic love. And it's funny because uh, I've, I've sat and I've watched these, these shows with my wife, and by the way, I have figured out their formula. I've completely figured out it is the same exact formula for every single Hallmark movie, right? There's the girl, okay? And the girl left the, her small town, and she went to the big city, right? And she became something big, right? She works for some big company. And what do they do? She send her back home somehow. There's some story where they send her back home, and she's a little disconnected from it, right? And of course, she always has the big city boyfriend, the big city fiance or something like that. She has that. that has, that's in every single Hallmark movie I've ever seen. She goes back. She re-enters, and she's being re-familiarized uh, re with uh, her, her small town that she grew up in. And of course, who does she meet? But she meets an old boyfriend, right? Uh, uh, somehow, and of course, he's always in flannel, you know, and, and, he's, all, and he's, he's always trying to resurrect some old store or some old restaurant or something like that, and she had, right, yeah, yeah. I'm actually, this is kind of corduroy, it's not. So anyways, I'm telling you, I, this, I, I can tell these, the, so, uh, and of course, what happens is as she begins to fall back in love with her town, who also does she fall in love with? But the, the, the old, either the old flame boyfriend or, or the guy she's just met, you know, whatever. Uh, and then it's interesting because as she begins to fall in love with her town and she begins to fall in love with the new guy, who comes back? The fiance, the, new, the big city, New York, you know, slick guy comes back in, and you think, oh, no, it's all going to go, you know, downhill from here. What's going to happen? And so sure enough, she, she stands up for herself. She finally believes in herself. She's finally going to take the, the flannel guy over the big city guy. She's not, she doesn't go back. She always stays. And there you have it, a Hallmark, uh, you know, movie, you know, every single one. Thank you, Emma. And of course they kiss. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they have. They, ha they have. Of course they kiss. Of course, yeah. So again, romantic love, right? <laughs> and it's interesting because romance sells so much that Hallmark only has one formula, and is yet probably one of the most popular channels. You know, spitting out these movies over and over and over again uh, to the point where literally I watch them with my wife and I go, okay, this is going to happen. It happens. Okay, this is going to happen and it happens and this is going to happen. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care, right? We love romantic love. We love it, right? But it's only one aspect. And in fact, it's, it's, it's even something that's it's fleeting, for those of you who've been in relationships, for those of you who've been married for, you know, a, a long time or, or, you know, have been with somebody for a very long time, you know that romantic love, that, that, that little picture of, you know, the girl falling in love with the guy, you know what I mean? That, that's just this little tiny snapshot that really love is not an emotion. Love is a choice, right? Love is a choice. 
Love is something that we choose. And I don't like the fact that the world continues to pound in this idea that love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. I choose to love you. And, and God shows us that kind of love. He chooses to love us. And, and we choose to love him back. And we choose to love each other. It is a choice. And how I know that love is not an emotion because there are some days I do not want to love, you know, you all, right? There's sometimes that people are frustrating. There's sometimes that people hurt you or disappoint you or all of these things, Right? Because love is a decision. I choose to love you despite how you treat me, despite whether you deserve it or not, I choose to love you. And that is exactly how God loves you. He doesn't love you based on your performance today. We talked about that last week. We talked about how God loves us, right? That nothing can separate us from God's love. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. When we are in God's love, there is nothing that can separate us. And I, I had made mention last week, and I kind of want to uh, I, I, I finish this thought uh, as I was discussing, you know, John and I uh, were talking about, you know, my message last week, that, that God is not, let me tell you what God is not doing. He is not uh, going throughout your day, and he's not keeping a tally of all the good things that you do and all the bad things that you do, and then by the end of the day, you know, depending upon if you were a really good person or not, that that's how much God loves you. That is not how God loves us, okay? That is not how God loves us. In fact, God loves us so much, right, that, that he, he actually came and he sent his son and, and he actually, Jesus died for those sins so that all of those things, if you want to go back to kind of the, the, uh, the list, all those bad things that you've done, that when we ask for forgiveness, that forgiveness is offered to us and all of those things are actually wiped clean. But I also want to say that, listen, we, we need to not forget, though, that there is still consequence to our actions. That how we treat God or how we treat each other, that there is still consequence to our actions. In fact, the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. So it's not that, as Paul said, it's not that like, you know what, I have this freedom in Christ now, so I'm just going to go and I'm going to do anything that I want and I'm going to treat people however I want because I'm forgiven. Well, we are but that's still not how we should be conducting ourselves. That's still not, in fact, going back to the topic, that's still not how we show love. Love is sacrificial. Love is putting others' needs above our own. So I, I want to kind of talk about how we love God. We talked about God's love for us. His love is vast. His love is, right, it, it's unchanging uh, it, it's, there's nowhere, as the Bible says, there's nowhere we can go that we can be out of the reach of God's love. And then we understand that because God has loved us so much that we should love others. But what about our love for God, right? What about our love for God? And, and really, this goes back to the very, very beginning. Why are we here? Why are we here? The big question, right? The big existential question why are we here 
And I believe, this is why I believe that we're here, this is what the Bible says, is that, you know, God created us to have relationship with us. In fact, the Bible says that we are created in his image. We are actually created in God's image, and God is love, and so he created a being that would love him back because he is love, and he wanted to extend his love to something, but he didn't want to just extend it to you know, something cold and something that, that didn't, you know, give love back. He created us like him so that we would love him back. This is it. This is why we are created. We are created by the creator. We are created by the God who is love. And we are created so that we would in turn love him back. This is what our life is all about is that we would love the God who loves us so much that we would love him back. And this is what this whole struggle is all about, that, that you know, why there's, you know, the enemy is trying to lie to us and trying to, to, to taint, uh, you know, and, and distort who God is and why the enemy's trying to make God look like this evil bad guy who's up there ready just to, you know, pounce on you and just to, you know, make you feel like you're nothing. You know, that, that's not who God is. And that is not, you know, the picture that God has been trying to paint for us since the beginning of time. That he is a God who has been constantly in pursuit of you. Now we're starting to talk Hallmark movie here, right? A God who pursues you that even when you were off, even when you were distant from him, right? Even when you were, you know, away from him, that he still went looking for you because that's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares about you. So I want to look at this love. In Deuteronomy 6.5, right? This is the law. This is the, the Old Testament law. And you'll find this a lot in the Old Testament, but it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your hearts, all your soul, and with all your strength. This was something that, have, that would have been reiterated over and over and over again to the old, in the Old Testament to the, the Jewish people to love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. Serve him only. Love the Lord your God. And here's what's sad. It's something that had to be repeated because they would go and they would find other gods to worship. It makes no sense to me. It probably makes no sense to you, but you know what? There's a constant fight, though, for our attention. There's a constant battle that is going on to take God's place in your life, that God should be the number one thing. It should be where all your attention is focused. It should be where all your, you know, uh, uh, you know your adoration, all your focus, everything is looking towards God, and he is my everything, is my all, he is the number one thing in my life, yet the world is constantly trying to fight for that position and make other things important. There's a picture in Genesis 22, starting in verse 1, that I want to read this story. You guys are going to be familiar with it. But it blows my mind, the love that Abraham has for his God. Let me read it to you. Genesis 22, starting in verse 1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham 
God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. He says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Morah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. I'm going to pause right there for a second. For those of you who may not be unfamiliar with the story, there's, there's Abraham who God had called out of his land and, and, and who's, he's now making a promise and, and Abraham is going to be the father of, of a great nation. And one of the promises is, is to a- Abram is that not only will you be Abram, but you will now be Abraham. You'll be the father of many. Well, of course, at the, right before Abraham and Sarah, they don't have any kids. Yeah, they'd be the father of a great nation, but they don't have any children. So they finally uh, get pregnant. A- Abraham and Sarah finally have a child. And this is, this is God's you know, blessing. In fact, this is God's promise. And so he finally has a son. And God says, I want you to take that son, whom you love, right? Who, has the, who is your, your whole life. And it's not even just that it's this relationship. It's also this idea. It's a promise. It was a promise given to God that you will become this great nation. And it's all focused on the fact that that he has a son named Isaac. And he says, now I want you to go and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Whoa, man, this is huge. (coughs) First of all, who would ask such a thing, right? Who would ask such a thing? But, but, you know, God is wanting to see what is the most important thing and do you trust me, Right? Do you trust me? With even the very promise that I've given you, do you trust me? We're going to skip down to verse 9. It says, when they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied. He said, oh, thank God. Oh, my gosh. I almost did it. Here I am, he says. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Jireh, or or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God tests Abraham. And you know what? I think sometimes God's wanting to see what's most important in, in, in your life, right? Is it your job? Right? Is it what you do? Is it your career? Is it maybe a relationship? You know what I mean? Sometimes I feel like God's wanting to know what really has that, that ultimate place in your life. The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's everything. That is everything. That means, that means there is not a place in my heart that, that, you know, that God doesn't dwell and that he doesn't have that number one place in my life. And I think sometimes we need to ask ourselves. And by the way, this was a promise from God. This was a good thing. This wasn't some evil thing. 
We can take things that, that even are promises in our lives or maybe even really good things, right? You know, and we can make it so important that we could say, you know what, God, though, I'm going to hold on to this thing and, and this is going to have all of my attention. And that when God says, but well, do you trust me with it? Will you, would you be willing to let it go? Would you be willing to, you know, give it back to me? And we go, no, no, you gave this to me, God. What are you talking about? You gave me this promise. God says, but do you love me? Do you trust me? Because that's really what it's about. It's really about do we trust God? Do we trust God with our families? Right? Do we trust God with our children? Do we trust God in our jobs? Do we trust God with our careers? Do we trust God with our finances? Do we trust God that even when a plague is at our door, do we trust that God is going to be our protector? Do we trust him? Or do we fall back on ourselves and do we say, no, I trust me. God, I trust me above all else. In Mark 12, 29, we're now in the New Testament. Jesus replied, it says, as Jesus replied, and most important, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your hearts, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And of course, he says the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. The Pharisees, the, the, the religious leaders of the day were trying to, you know, get Jesus trapped in. And what's, what's the greatest of all commandments, right? Pick, pick one, Jesus. And they were, you know, they really weren't sure where he was going to go with this. But, you know, he basically kind of answers them. And they don't really have a great even response. But he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments. This is the greatest commandment because it has to do with our relationship with God and our relationship with others. This is it, you guys. This is it. This is how we should be conducting our lives. This is how we should be in relationship with God and with each other. That it is all based on our love for him, our devotion to him, and our love and our devotion to each other. It's really about giving God our whole lives. Giving God our whole lives. This is how he wants us to love him. So let's, let's look at these four things, right? We've got these four things. First, loving God with all our hearts, okay? Loving God with all our hearts. Our heart is our, where we kind of keep our, our treasures, right? Where we keep our treasures, the things that, that uh, have our affection, the, the things that are the most important in our lives. Matthew 6.19 says this. It says, don't, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21 says, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your hearts will be also. What are your treasures? What are the things that you value in this world, right? And most of us have really, really great things. Most of us can say, well, family. Family is something that I, I treasure, right? Uh, you know, some of you would probably say, well, your, your, your job or, or your career or, you know, what you, know, you feel like your calling is. And again, these aren't all awful things. But let me ask you this. 
Are those things that you can list that you would say, these, these are my treasure, these are the things that I value here on earth? Is God still the number one thing? And, and if it came to this, if this was kind of the test, if God said, will you hand that over to me, would you be able to do that? I know many of you, and I know a lot of us struggle with, with fear, right? We struggle with fear, and it has to do that, that we need. We don't trust God with really everything. That's where fear comes in. I, God, I, I, I believe in you. Uh, God, I, I, I know you're great, and I know you're awesome, but when it really comes to letting go and trusting you with maybe the welfare of my family, maybe the welfare of my children, that, God, you could do a better job than even I can, right, On, of loving them. That what is it? What is it that has your heart? You know how you can tell? What is it that you think about? What is it you think about most of the time? Because that is where your treasure is. That's where your treasure lies. And you know what? If things are out of order in your life, you need to put God back in that place. And, that's, and, and by doing that, what you're saying, God, is I trust you with all of these other things. The Bible says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. That when you are seeking God first and foremost, that when you're worried about where your, your, your money's coming from or, or when you're worried about maybe a, a, a child of yours or maybe you're worried about a relationship or, or whatever it is that you are worried about, right? Whatever it is that you are allowing to take, you know, this place in your heart, that when you seek first the kingdom of God, when you seek God and say, Lord, I, I, I come to you, I trust you with all of this, because, Lord, you are my treasure. Lord, you are my treasure. You are what my heart desires. Um, a closer relationship with you is what my heart desires, Lord God. So giving God our hearts. Giving God our hearts. The second one is our soul. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, right? The soul is where they say <coughs> it's where our will is, right? It's where our will and our will is constantly, you know, fighting. Is it God's will for our life or is it my will? And we're in this constant fight to decide, do I, do I want to do what God says to do or, or do I want to do what I want to do, right? We all know this famous portion of scripture, Matthew 26, 39. It says, he went on a little farther and bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This needs to be something that we say every single day. Lord, not my will. Not my will, God, but your will be done. I'm going to love you, God, with even my very soul and my very will. I'm going to submit my will to you that even though I want to do this, right, that I want that this is what I think I sh that would be the best for my life, Lord God, I'm going to trust you with my life and not my will, but your will be done, Lord God. What is your will for my life? 
Every day we should be seeking after that. Every day we should be asking, God, what is your will for my life today? What is it? Because I know what I want to do. I know what I think is best, but Lord, I submit my life to you because I love you, because I trust you. Loving the Lord with all our soul. The third is loving the Lord with all of our mind, right? This is our thought life. This has to be the the number one battlefield, right, for all of us, is our thought life. It's, 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 you know, the truth versus the lie. In John 8, 32, and it says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me tell you guys something. If you are not in God's word every single day, if you are not devouring his truth, then how will you know the truth? And how will it set you free? How will, when you start going in those places in your mind and you start going down those those roads that lead to destruction in your head and these thoughts that you have that just seem to be negative and negative and negative, how are you going to know the truth if you are not putting God's truth in you? If you are not reminding yourself of his promises for you, right? God has many, many promises for you. Promises to heal you, promises to provide for you, promises to fight for you, right? A promise to to bless you, not to curse you. There are many, many blessings in the Bible. There are many promises in the Bible. But if we're not taking those things in, if we're not devouring the truth, if we're not putting that truth in our minds, then our minds are going to go to those negative places and we're going to believe the lies. We're going to believe the lies of the enemy that we're worthless that we're nothing, that we're useless, that, you know what, I'm just a mess up, and that's all I'm ever gonna be. Those are all lies. And if those are lies that you're constantly struggling with, that I'm a nobody, that I'm a failure, you need to remind yourself who you are. You are a child of the living God, and you have been bought, you have been purchased, you have been redeemed, you are now part of the family, you are now part of his inheritance. You now have an authority that has been given to you through Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to know what frustrates me? And by the way, it frustrates me even about myself is that we as Christians don't walk in the authority that God has given to us. We have an authority because of who we are, but yet we still walk in the, in the mindset that I'm, that I'm just a failure, that, I, that I'm no good, that, you know what, somebody else could do it better, or, or whatever it is. We still walk in this idea that we're broken, but we are not broken. We've been healed. We've been put back together through the power of God. We've been put back together. We are whole. God wants you to be whole. He wants you to live that way. He wants you to think that way. This idea, you guys, of mental health, it's ravaging. It's ravaging people. This idea of the struggling of the mind. And you know what? I believe that through the power of the blood of Jesus... And I believe in being in God's word and getting the truth in our mind that those are the tools to start to bring healing to your thought life. Amen? I realize that mental health isn't necessarily this this quick fix. But I can tell you this, that the Bible says 
that the truth will set you free. But if you don't have the truth in you, if you don't have the truth in your mind, how is it going to set you free? It's that key that unlocks, right? The chains and the bondages that are going on up inside your head. I'm believing you guys. I want our church, and I want this to be something that we will always, always pursue, but that we would always pursue mental health and that we would always help people come to a place of knowing and believing who they truly are in Jesus Christ, amen? That God wants them whole. That God wants you whole. How many of you want to be whole, right? Mind, body, and spirit. I want to be whole, mind, body, and spirit. Loving the Lord God with all our hearts. Loving him with all of our soul, loving him with all of our mind, and of course, loving him with all of our strength. You guys, this is our actions, right? This is our actions. This is how we show, right, how much we love God. This is how we show how much we love each other, that we're going to love even with our strength. In Matthew 5, 14, it says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In that same same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see. This is one of the ways that we show our love for God is we let our good deeds shine for all to see. We let the world know that God is good. We let the world know that we love him. It's not something that we hide. And how we do that is by serving each other, is by serving our community, is by loving sacrificially. We let our good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. We don't do this, you guys, to bring glory to ourselves. We do it that it would bring glory to God. Yes, there is a dying, hurting world right outside. Right outside. We don't have to go far. We don't have to go far to see homelessness. We don't have to go, go far to see uh, brokenness. We don't have to go far to see families, you know, uh, families being torn apart. We don't have to go far, you guys. It's not in some, happening in some other country. It's happening right here. But how is the world going to know? But one of the ways that we can show our love for God is by letting our good deeds shine, is by going out and serving, is by going out and loving others, is by going out and helping others and say, you know what? You know what Jesus did for me? He can do it for you too. Come on. Come on. And I'm going to walk this, you know, I'm going to walk alongside of you. I love the fact that this faith that I have it's not something that we do by ourselves, right? It, 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 we, don't, we don't isolate ourselves and just, and just you know, kind of just worship God. I love the fact that part of loving God is actually loving each other. I show my love for God by, by how I love my wife. I show my love for God by how I love my children. I show my love for God by how I love my friends, by how I love the, my church. That's how I show my love for God. You guys, this is why I was, just, I was just talking to this really, really great guy. Met this guy, uh, and in fact, it was at, um, at Bella's choir show, and he was working in the back, and we were just talking, and, and, and he goes, what do you do? And I love when that question comes up. There's part of me that almost wants to lie, 
you know, I'm a, you know what I mean? But then I just, I say it, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh. Well, and it's funny because where the conversation was before, you know what I mean, was all about all kinds of worldly things, which I was fine. I didn't make him feel bad for any of that. But the second, he, all of a sudden, he found out I was a pastor. It was like, oh, oh, well, then, let me tell you, I used to go to church, and I used to, and then all of a sudden, it was like he needed to tell me, you know, all the great things that he's done. And I said, you know, that, that, whatever, you know what I mean? There's no, no, not judgment, you know, judgment. But it was interesting. He told me, he said, I, I, I'll never step back into a church again. And I go, and I said, why? And he goes, they're just, I goes, I've seen so many hypocrites. I've, I've, I've been hurt. I've been burned. I've been, he said, I, you know, I grew up going to church, but he goes, but I, he goes, he, and, and it was interesting because he said this, he goes, I just, I just love God now. And I thought, well, that's good. I mean, that, there wasn't anything wrong with that statement, but what hurt me was the fact that God doesn't just want us to kind of live on this island alone, loving him. He wants us to love each other. So there's a reason, you guys, why we gather and why, why we have church. It's so that we create that opportunity. The, the idea would be is that when you come, that it's not just that there's this, you know, relationship happening between you and God, which is, of course, you know, the, the, the primary and, and the most important thing. But it's also that there should be relationship building amongst each other, right? And by the way, that means putting yourself out there. It really is, you know, loving the Lord our God with all of our strength. It, it, it's not easy, right? It's, it's, it's not, you know, something that happens even naturally to everybody. But it's something that I believe that it's, that it, it's I believe we can't just have one without the other. When I hear somebody say, you know what, I, I do church on my own. I, I, just, I just worship God by myself. And I think, well, that's, that's great. But it's interesting that even Jesus said, but then love your neighbor as yourself. He, he, he really made it this two-part kind of thing that that's, you know, just seems to be you know, really this perfect circle. That God doesn't want you to be an island. He doesn't want you to be just worshiping him alone because what he wants is the world to see. Right? He wants the world to see. And the only way the world is going to see is if we put ourselves out there. God wants us to love him with our complete being, you guys. Every aspect of your life. I would just ask that just for a moment, you would take inventory. Where are the places in your life right now that you still feel like I'm kind of doing that part in my own power? Or maybe you even say, oh, that's even a part that I don't even let God go. I don't let him go over there. That place is dark, right? Listen, God wants your whole heart. He wants you to love him with every part of you, heart, mind, soul, strength, everything about us needs to show our devotion and our love for God. And let me tell you something, the world is constantly fighting for that. And listen, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that, oh, when I start loving God, then all the cool, fun stuff that I, that I do, that means I can't do that anymore. No. You know what actually happens? You actually find a new love for some of those things because now God is involved in it. 
Maybe something that is a hobby of yours. I know there's a bunch of car guys, you know what I mean? God doesn't say, you know, love me, and that means stop loving doing cars. No, God created you. But what it means is now God's a part of that. God's a part of that. It doesn't mean that, you know, you just, you wipe everything away, and then I just, I, I, you know, I go and I lock myself up in a room, and oh, God, I love you, and that's it. No, God wants to be a part of your every day. Every, every day, he wants to be a part of your family. He wants to be a part of your relationships. He wants to be a part of your job. But you have to allow him in. You have to give him your whole heart. And you have to say, God, I hold, I hold nothing back. I hold nothing back. I'm gonna, I want you to become and be a part of everything that I am. And I guarantee you, God will enrich all of those things in your life when he is the number one thing. Amen? I'm losing my voice. can't believe it. <coughs> that must mean I'm done. 